All right, welcome back, Baron of Beverage. Uh, I'm here once again with uh, Christopher Wadovi. Good evening. From uh, Whiskey Room as we continue our Best Tasting Whiskeys on Earth series. Working our way up to the top five. With number five weighing in uh, this episode, we have the Glenlivet uh, 12-year-old. Yes, the uh, beautiful uh, Speyside single malt scotch whiskey. Mm-hmm. And you know why it's called the Glenlivet, right? It's not a the Ohio State University, you know, arrogance kind of thing. There's a real reason behind it. Do you know? You're stumped. I, I, you don't know the story. You know, actually, I have heard the story. Um, you want me to? But, I, but tell I know the that story? we do. We do call it the Glenlivet. I mean, right. they call it the Glenlivet, right? And I think it actually has something to do with the area they came from, and there being two competing distilleries. No, well, you know that that's a little underselling it. So. Okay. They, they, well, they were the, they like to call themselves the original, as I'm sure they you know. They do like to call themselves because the Because they were the first legal distillery in 1824 when they started legalizing distilleries. In fact, they kind of like ruffled a lot of feathers because all the other, you know, illegal distillers were hoping nobody would like register and therefore the law would not succeed. Yeah. But... So they ruffled a lot of feathers or pissed a lot of people off, however you want to put it, when they finally did become the first or the original legal distillery for uh, uh, whiskey uh, in Scotland. And um, and so anyway, um, they they started that and they called themselves the Glenlivet or just Glenlivet Uh, and. Their style and their flavor profile was so popular that many other people emulated it and put Glenlivet on their label in some fashion. Like maybe the Glenmory Glenlivet. Yeah. Etc, uh, etc. Et and so uh, there were several, not just one other. Uh, like so many did it that there were some people who thought like the Glenlivet, which is the area it's named after, was must have been the largest district in all of Scotland because so many were doing it. So finally, uh, it was the son. Um, John Smith is the son. Yeah, John Smith. He's the one who took them to court and won the case, and the ruling ended up in, I think it was 1884, that they were known as the Glenlivet. And anybody else that wanted to put Glenlivet would have to do some sort of hyphenation such. And so the process over decades after that started to fade away um but that is why they are the glenlivet it's not just a you know we want to call ourselves the you know ohio university or the university of miami or whatever you know so it's uh there's a great rich part of their history um and now that we've totally digressed and not even talked about the whiskey it gives you a little <laughs> bit about their history um but uh yeah they're um they obviously are, you know, been a very long history uh, property. And number five, they have to be a good selling one, is that right? They are. They're the uh, number. Well, they're the best selling single malt whiskey in the United States. And depending on which year you find statistics for, they're either two or three best selling single malt in the world. They're one of only two single malts that exports over a million cases a year in the, in recent history. The other one being the single malt we've already had. Uh, the Glenfiddich 12. So, uh, so those two distilleries are, you know, 
very prominent worldwide. Obviously, the, the Glenlivet here is uh, number five, so a little bit higher up than uh, Glenfiddich. Uh, been very popular for now almost two centuries. Um, so uh, we talked a little bit about age statements. Uh, why don't you pour while, because uh, I, you, Mr. Heavyhand. Um, so uh, one of the things we talked about when we had our first bourbon last week was about age statements. And, oh yeah, I can count on you for the heavy hand. So uh, the... Uh, That's why we don't get a refill. <laughs> right, of course. Who wants to refill? So um, anyway... Uh, it's a big bottle. The, it is a big bottle. Uh, so the... Oh, the age statement. Yeah. So we were talking about how you had said bourbons, you know, had to be aged a minimum of three years. And actually, that's a little bit of confusion because it is scotch whiskeys that have to be a minimum of three years. Uh, whereas bourbon, as we discussed, if it's four, if it's less than four years, they have to tell you how many. And if it's over four years, they don't have to give you an age statement at all. Uh, in Scotland, it's a minimum of three years, must be a minimum of three years. Um, and then after that, again, the age statement on a whiskey, you don't always have to do an age statement, but if you have, it's the rules are the same as bourbon. If you put an age statement on, the number is the, the youngest. youngest. The youngest mm -hmm. That part is the same. Yeah. And this, so this is age day. Uh, the youngest in this is 12 years. Correct. So, Correct. And it's aged. But, it, but, it, but as you know, there are a lot of non-age statement whiskeys coming out. Yes. It's and the, so it's I wanted our listeners to know that growth. if you don't see an age year... It's a minimum of three. Yeah, okay. That's okay. Yeah. And uh, the Glenlivet is aged in European oak and American, uh, you know, first fill, ex bourbon yeah. casks. So. Yeah. You know, it's often, I've often said to people, you know, what did the Scottish do, you know, before the bourbon industry? What did they put it in? Uh, it was usually sherry um, or, I guess, reused wine. Well. Sherry was dominant, too, for a long time. True, although I've asked, I've asked some of my uh, Scottish uh People who were in the industry, and like, you know, whatever the barrel they could <laughs> put it in. Whatever they could um, put it in, yeah, that's true. Um, you know, they, they just kind of would do it that way. But um, but ultimate, ultimately, I mean, that is a big supplier and has become part of uh, their profile so much. Well, and, and uh, through internationalization of brands such as Diageo and Pinot Richard, they all own bourbon companies. So they just ship them right on over there, use them again. It's it's part of recycling. It's a it's a smart business practice instead of felling you know new trees all the time. Right, and then now they then take the barrels and give them to breweries to put their stuff in, or maple syrup companies to age their maple syrup. I mean, like these it's, days, yeah. you, you know, they'll put anything in Everyone's a barrel trying and, to age age and, bourbon, and sell you know. it. Yeah. I, I actually saw bourbon coffee today. Um, I'm not excited. Sure. They didn't use the barrel, but you know, nonetheless, they flavored roasting coffee with bourbon. Everyone's crazy about bourbon. Usually, it's bourbon in the coffee, just straight. That that would be you know? my personal take right. on it. But you know. So anyway, we are very far off the path of the Glenlivet, <laughs> um, and we're going to come back to it because since uh, Chris has poured it, I've already started to waft some of the aromas uh, coming across. And beautiful, rich, fruity notes. Yeah, it is. It's very fruity. I actually get um, apricot maybe. I actually even get some. Maybe it's just me weird being weird, but I kind of get some like tropical fruit notes on it. Tropical, I can see that. There's honey. You can smell a lot of uh, honeyness, which is a, a, a sometimes a characteristic of Speyside. I I just now I'm distinctly. It's not just a tropical fruit note. It is a pineapple note. Yeah. Um Okay. Yeah. Well, if and if you shake it around, you'll get that. Exactly. Well, I always you know swirl. Got to check out the legs. 
Look all, all red-blooded American men. Check out the light. Now again, this is uh, this is the standard kind of forty proof. I mean, forty percent, eighty proof, standard uh, low lend limit for import to the U.S. Have you taken a swig yet? Sir? I have not. I have not. But I was just thinking, you know, the, uh, Vigil and Livid is one of my favorite uh, single malts. It's probably the first I fell in love with. I've enjoyed many of their other expressions. Um, it has a light characteristic that. Uh, they attribute to their um, large stills that have these long necks that help with that. Um, it has a, a very neat uh, golden buttery De color, yeah. almost a pil darker than a pilsner, but you know, it's a nice color. You know, it's funny you said golden buttery color, and what it really reminds me of is, <laughs> in terms of color, is um, uh, I've gone to movie theaters, mm -hmm. and you know how they have like the. Sometimes you can put the butter on yourself. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. There's a there's a movie theater I've gone to before that doesn't have butter that you put on your popcorn, like so to speak, like that. They have you know butter substitute because I oh, mean okay. really I don't even think those pumps ever put out true butter. Probably not. But in this particular uh, movie theater, it was called Golden, you know, and that's the color this reminds me of, you know. I could go on a totally different way of showering my popcorn with golden, but the color of that product, when you said golden buttery, immediately made me think of this color. Yeah. So it's it's definitely, it's um, it, it's in that yellow, golden brown color. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so I did get my first sip in, and uh, right away, to me, it builds off the fruitier flavors that we had already talked about on the nose. I'm getting apple and pear. They're stronger than I had on the nose. Um, and then there's a little bit of spice uh, uh, that, you know, towards the back of the palate. Um, it is very light. It has a good, long, smooth finish. Um, there's no bite to this. It's a, this is just a real smooth drink. There's a little, there's a little heat. Heat, uh, yeah. Uh, in neat, but nothing out of balance. And I say that because there are some listeners who, they just can't, even at 80 proof, they can't take that amount of level of alcohol. And that's okay. But I agree. I get the pear, I get the apple. I, I get the pineapple again on this very clearly for me. And it's that's in a, for me, that's a little bit of an unusual uh, fruit note for, um, for single malt whiskeys, which I'm finding quite enjoyable. I do get a little bit of the peppery spice on the finish. Uh, what I'm finding is the, the fruit is pretty persistent as well. Yeah, it's a, it's a throughout fruit. Uh... Some of the other uh, whiskeys we've tasted and others on the list to come, the flavors are, are depth. There's a depth profile to the various flavors, and certain flavors come and go in your mouth. Um, but this one does. It keeps that, that fruit with you or with me. Mm-hmm. No, I think... Yeah, I think the nice part about it is the balance is, uh, is pretty good start to finish. The intensity is, is at its strongest, obviously, right after you, you know, taken it in and, and, and first swallowed, but uh, it, it's not a changing palette unlike some, where uh, you develop into new flavor characteristics on the finish. I feel like this one just persists in the same profile. Yeah. I think that's what I was trying to say when I meant, you know, it's a through, it's a, there's a depth to that flavor, and it doesn't change, though. There's not, mm -hmm. like, suddenly the pear is biting me. Suddenly the apple's biting me. It's very consistent. It's very smooth. 
Gotcha. And understood. coats the whole tongue. Mm-hmm. There's a little creaminess to it. Yeah. Which I wonder was this is a single malt, and as when we tasted our last single malt, you know, we uh, don't uh, do rocks or ice. We add a little bit of water um, to change this. It's not to say you can't do rocks or ice. In fact, I know that a lot of people, especially in these warmer summer months, will put it on rice. Uh, rice. We'll put it on rocks or ice, or perhaps even those um, like frozen uh, whiskey stones, you yes, know, that yeah. don't water it down but chill it because they want a little bit of chill. Mm-hmm. Go ahead and put the water in mine. They want a little bit of chill on their uh, whiskey. I know there are some people who actually keep their whiskey in the fridge for that same purpose uh, during the summer months. I hadn't thought of that. Yeah. Um, but uh, so here we have, we've opened it up a little bit. I'm going to re-smell. It is chill filtered. Yes, it is. There's no, uh, you know, no cloudiness from that. I think this is distinctively just more honey now than fruit on the nose, and that's amazing because that was just with one cap full of water. Yeah, and it's a little cap, but you're right; it goes right to a uh, a buttery. I'm almost getting toffee now, mm-hmm, which sure. you know, bring, so it brings out a little bit of the wood maybe, because um, that's not something you would normally get. Yes. And as you have want to say, we like the wood. Yeah, no, it's totally muted a lot of those fruit flavors in, in just that small amount of water. And to the taste. Hmm? And to taste. Mm-hmm. It, um, as you're doing right now. Uh, the, the fruit flavors, I don't want to say they're gone, but they are definitely brought way down on the mixer. Uh, I have a, a very strong, creamy, buttery... Much creamier. Uh, I'm getting a little bit of almond, which I didn't yep. get at all before. Kind of like almond marzipan flavor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's totally right. It's changed more into this creamy, sweet uh, nuttiness uh, with the, with that. Sweet nuttiness. Exactly. And, yeah. Um, yeah. I wouldn't have thought it would make it sweeter. It does taste sweeter with a little water. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Definitely. It, you know, this is, you know, this is one of those things where I bet you and I have each had the Glenlivet at least a dozen or more times each. Easily more than that. Easily it's, more than it's that. It's one of my favorites. Well, I mean, I'm in the last couple of inches of a handle in yeah. my house, too. So, um, but I'm trying to be, you know... Well, if I was doing your pours, it'd be about six. But um, anyway, uh, regardless, I haven't ever done the side-by-side like this. No, I, I've not done it side-by-side. And one of the comments you made, actually, at our, at our I think it was our first um, uh, tasting as this series, of this series, uh, as I try to forget the English language and how to use it, thinking about it critically. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I don't, I'm pretty sure we've had all 10 of these at some point in our whiskey drinking lives. Yep. Um, I don't remember the last time I thought of any of them critically. Uh, and some of them I never did. Like the earlier Crown Royal was, was so, you know, so far back in my whiskey drinking. I don't, I don't think that I, at that point in time, I, I wasn't thinking critically of whiskey. You right. know what I mean? Whereas now I do, and I do try to find new things, but I don't reassess. I go, oh, I like Glenlivet. I don't... Right. It's not like, oh, there, oh, there's the pear, there's the pineapple, oh, it's right. wonderful, you know? So um, thinking about them critically again, though, is, is actually very enjoyable, and, and finding these new uh, flavors, or they're not new flavors, but you know, naming them. Well, coming back to them, rediscovering in a bit, yeah. you know, it, it kind of, I think often... Uh, there's a craze in the whole industry of 
spirits, wine, beer, etc., uh, from the consumer. Not and and it's it's not all driven by the industry. I think the industry is trying to serve what the consumer is asking for in this is that they want the new, they want the different, they want to try and some. So you know, it's almost like well, I tried Glenlivet twelve, the Glenlivet twelve, and. I know what that is. Now I got to try something else. Let me try the next one. Let me do the next one. And sometimes it's okay to be like, you know what? I don't need to try everything new. I need to enjoy the things I know I like. And occasionally you try new things. Well, and if something's not broke, don't fix it. Oh, yeah. You well, I mean, I mean they, like, haven't, they haven't fixed this in forever. No, exactly. And, and that's uh, a whole different rant and podcast about some of the things I disagree with at the spirits industry, but it's also, it's happening in wine and it is happening very much in, in liquor and beer. Uh, stop messing with it. Well, I mean, but that's, you know, you know, that's and, and it's actually, you know, I was, uh, been reading in preparation a little bit for this, some of the things I didn't know about, uh, the Glenlivet distillery. And one of the things I noted is that they have had a historical archival obsession with obtaining a lot of the old bottlings of it. Yes. And then they yeah. buy it and store it. Yeah. And they keep a whole stored warehouse of, of releases going back. Well, the earl- earliest they have is 1855. Wow. So now, no, so I knew that they were trying to uh, yeah. accumulate whatever's out there of their older stuff just to compare and right. contrast. Right. And they compare and contrast. And they say very, very close, similar to what is being done now. And the 1855 one, they didn't actually open, but they probably with a Coravan-type device, went in and pulled some out and did a chemical analysis and saw that it came out very close again to what they're doing now. And that speaks to a level of continuity that happens when these things are so honed and family business-oriented with a very quality master distiller at the helm. And a a pride of craft. And a pride of craft. You know, uh, producing something this good this consistent for this long is to be admired and they and they have experimented with new things i mean they have the nadura lines where they're using different casks and they have of course different age statement lines they have they have a couple non-age statement lines i can't remember how many but they're mostly travel retail um so i mean they are experimenting well they have but to, this is to their route demand. i mean yeah, yeah to meet demand yeah yeah i mean they're this producing... is also very affordable yes I mean, For I don't, yeah. right, I don't, I mean, I, I bought this handle a few years back and it was 80 bucks on sale yeah. for a handle. I think you usually That's can like get it. That's like a half it, gallon of liquor. That's, yeah. you know, pretty cheap. I, I think you can usually get it between uh, 38 and 45, depending on the liquor store. I, th- I think that's usually where you're going to find it for, for a, 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 you know, a non-rail single malt. I think that's a very good price. Yeah. Especially one that delivers like this. Yeah. No, there's, n- there is. One who serves this on their bar has nothing to apologize no, for. not at all. It is a, a good representative of that uh, region, uh, of the space side of the Highland sections. Um, I mean, and they're doing, I mean, they're producing, you know, 5.9 million liters per annum, give or take. Roughly 6 million bottles go to just one limit. The rest goes to the the various uh, blends that uh, Chivas Brothers makes. So, because it's also right. owned by Pernodre. So. Right, right. Right. Very nice. Anything else you want to share or talk about uh, on this while we're here? It, it is, I've said it already, it is one of my favorites. There's it, a lot to be liked here. I mean, like, I I definitely suggest for yourself, do as we have done. Taste it both ways. Um, I think when we did the last single malt, um, the Glenfiddich, Glenfiddich, I talked about how 
it was almost like getting two different single malts in the difference. And, and this the is same thing exactly here, the yeah. same and, and both enjoyable. It, I was about to say that. Neither one's going to let you down, in my opinion. They're both very enjoyable. Yeah, so if you're in the mood for something maybe a little more fruity, a little more tropical in flavor, maybe something that actually goes with the warmer weather. Uh, maybe you go with uh, the neat, and if you want something that's a little more creamy and sweet, uh, nutty, add a little water. water. Add a little water or ice. Yeah. So what do we have? Uh, this is where we look forward. What do we got? Number four. Number four is uh, probably my other f- favorite uh, single malt, and I'll tell, talk more about that next time. It's the Macallan. Ah, the Macallan. The Macallan. Very nice. Well, that's something to look forward to. Uh, So until next time. Cheers. Cheers. Cheers.